You are listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with me, your host, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring you to take bold leaps of faith as we hear the powerful stories of both men and women from different industries and walks of life who obey God and took risks in exchange for heaven's rewards. As you listen, my hope is that their stories will give you the confidence you need to trust God as he leads you to your next leap. Now, let's learn a little about our next guest. Today, Rachel is speaking with James Rousseau. He is the founder and CEO of the CoreLink Solution, a nonprofit committed to empowering people to reach their potential. In this episode, James shares how he did not choose to be caught up in the demands of a corporate position to the detriment of his purpose. He explains that roles and positions are seasonal, but a purpose is what you would die doing and how we should not let a job, title or position at the workplace, which is temporary, stop us from serving our purpose which is eternal. If you have a calling outside of your corporate job, but wondering where and how to start, then this episode is for you. Now let's jump in. Well, I'm so excited to have a conversation with James. You all are about to learn about how amazing this man is and all the great things he's going to be sharing with you. So I'm excited because I've got to read some things about it and I'm like, yes, let's talk. So um, (laughs) James, can you please tell my listeners a little bit about you? Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm James Rousseau. A lot of people call me Trig, born and raised in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, I call myself sometimes a recovering uh, corporate executive, living uh, my passion life, as it were, or my purpose-filled life now. Uh, I grew up, like I said, in Philadelphia, going through uh, a lot of things to figure out my passion and purpose, and then really got into a space where I wanted to help others reach theirs. And so I've worked in a lot of corporations trying to do that. And then Fell in love with Christian hip hop in my late teens, early 20s. And now I run an organization called The Coiling Solution, which is a nonprofit focused on empowering people to reach their potential, particularly youth of color. And we run an organization called Holy Culture as well. And what Holy Culture does is curate Christian hip hop media. And we have Holy Culture Radio as well, which has a channel on Sirius XM. So that's what I spend my time doing. That's a really short version, but um, that's a good place to start. Yes, I love that. Now, um, I am a Christian hip hop um, person. My husband, that's actually how we met, is that he does Christian hip hop and I right? sing, sang, however you want to put it. And we met in the studio. So this like yeah. is, a, is a passion point for mine. Like, okay, okay. This, is, this is exciting. Yeah, right now he does music with our friend in Africa. Amazing. Both of them are amazing. Thanks. We're going to have to talk after the show for a second. Absolutely. But um, I'm super excited because, you know, I want to talk about the pathway to that point. But one thing you said about just it kind of just being this passion in you that you that you always had was this Christian hip hop, this love for Christian hip hop. But then it sounds like you took a leap into that. What were you doing before that time? What were you doing before uh, you took that that leap? Yeah, I was an executive. So right before that, I was an executive of a company called Legal Shield. I had started there probably in 2014 as president of the B2B business. And then I had uh, gotten promoted to be the chief commercial officer. And prior to that, I was president of uh, business solutions at Allstate Insurance Company in Chicago. And so, man, just had a path of working up through executive roles. And, you know, prior to Allstate, I was a senior vice president at J.P. Morgan Chase. And so, you know, through my, let's call it my 20s and my 30s, I started to see uh, my passion and purpose develop and, and become more clear. I think sometimes when you have a calling 
um, you're figuring it out, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and sure. I think one of the things about figuring it out, at least for me, is getting comfortable not knowing uh, mm-hmm. some of it and just allowing God to like do his thing to say, you know what, Lord, I just want to be used, right? And so part of being used was in corporate spaces, um, trying to empower people there, right? Trying to remove those glass ceilings for young Black professionals trying to come up and being a part of diversity councils, uh, helping create different uh, spaces for people, helping change some of the rules and helping, you know, lift people up. At one time at Jake Morgan Chase, I was leading an organization, about 400 folks. And so that was really gratifying, helping people, you know, uh, matriculate through their career. And then, you know, really felt the Lord saying to me, uh, you know, it's time to get out of the corporate world and, and get back to the to the areas in which you came from, right? How do you go help those people? And so probably early 2010-ish or so, started really thinking about how to do that. And so one of the things my wife and I did, well, I think was, um, man, try to live live beneath our means and start saving aggressively. We lived in this house that people called the starter home. We stayed in that home. <laughs> so even when I got to VP level, senior VP level, we just stayed. Yeah. And uh, born and raised in Philly, had never moved until I got the job to Allstate. And even taking that job to move to Chicago to do that was a strategic move to say, I need to take some leaps in order to create freedom to be able to go do this purpose work when the time is right. And so I did that move. And then in 2014, got a call um, from Legal Shield saying, hey, we, we, we want you to come be the president here and work at this private equity company. And that to me was a tingling of the ear of not comfortable doing this one either. But Lord, I think you're saying take this step because this is going to be another, you know, brick on the road towards that freedom to then do that purpose work. And so that's what the path was like. And I listen, I'm financially conservative as a mug. Okay. <laughs> so we needed to save for real for me to be able to step off. So in 2018, we got to a point where um, after a lot of saving, a lot of prayer, a lot of patience, I could say, yeah, it's time to leave and go do this work. Yeah. So the whole time, though, this work that you were feeling called to do was at the forefront of your mind, but you knew it just wasn't yet time for you to go forth and do that. But you right. kept pursuing it. But pursuing wasn't like walking away. Now, I want to I want to go back a little bit because there almost sounds like how can I put it for just people that are in corporate? It's it's easy to find their identity and what they mm. do within corporate. And for you, it it didn't sound like you transitioning out of that was like a downward move, even though some people may have, have looked have looked at it that way. It, it sounds more like a lateral move to me because you were pursuing that the whole time. How did you allow yourself to view it that way and not become caught up in the identity of the roles that you had in corporate? Yeah. So I think, you know, and I'll be honest, I'm a person who grew up with a lack of validation issue, right? I wrote, it's in my book. I wrote a book called Success in Your Own Terms. And, and probably the first 20% of my book, I really spent time because my book coach made me do it, right? Because I didn't want to write about me. I wanted to talk about the corporate life and navigating. And my book coach said, no, no, you have to really tell your story. And a part of telling my story was I lost my father way too early in my life. I never felt validated. And so part of my issue was, and I didn't even know it was trying to get validation through work. Right. So I worked hard in my 20s and I was one of the youngest vice presidents in Chase. Uh, they told me I was the youngest senior vice president when I got promoted. I didn't make it into college out of high school. I just had a bunch of things that just really cracked my validation surface, if you will. But then I was getting it through works. And so as I started getting positions and whatnot and so on and so forth, at some point it really hit me. Maybe it was through one of the mergers or whatnot and having to do layoffs and when you're managing teams and whatnot, that those things are seasonal. 
Roles and positions are seasonal, okay? Therefore, a point in time. And so I started really adopting a, a piece, a, a framework in my mind of stewardship. You are a steward for a point in time. Leave a position better than what you, when you found it, but understand it is stewardship. You don't own it, okay? So, um, and that's how I started to see things. It's a role and position for a period of time. That's so, that's so key right there, because I think a lot of times what, stops us from moving forward. And the next thing is that we hold on too tight. I like to call it people like, oh, this is my precious. This job position is my precious. You know, this is, oh, this is mine. But it's like, no, this, this belongs to God. And yeah. he's allowing you to manage it for a time and a season. And then when he tells you to go to the next thing, it's time to move forward in the next thing. So as yes. you were making each of those moves, what were some of the key things that would indicate to you it was time to shift? It was time to move. Yeah. So, so one is, um, I know when I was leaving Chase, one was, I'll say my wife, man, some days I'm getting to work and not even remembering how I got here. Right. And, and, and I think when you get to a point where I'm not saying every job should be difficult, but I am saying when I feel like there's no longer an incline on the learning, mm. right. I feel like it's, it's probably a good point to move. And that's me. I think each of us are different in terms of what yeah. gets us going. I thrive on a learning incline, learning something new and, and keep me going. The second thing was, I mean, really, Rachel, just prayer and trying to understand where the Lord is moving me, right? Because not every role um, that I was going to, I was necessarily egads excited about in and of itself or for the title for anything like that. I, literally, when I uh, announced that I was leaving Allstate. I had friends calling me to do an intervention. Like, what are you doing? I, listen, <laughs> we talking. It was, it was like the, it was the day before Thanksgiving. I'll never forget. Day before Thanksgiving, 2013. I had friends call me. How are you leaving that gig? That's the best gig in the world. You got access to some stuff. Where this company you going to? Never heard of it before. You're leaving a 30 billion dollar company. What are you doing? And I said, my only response was. The Lord told me it's time to make this move. This move is essential to the overall plan. And when God gives you a vision, he doesn't give it to a committee. He gives it to you as a person. Wow. That right there is golden. You are so right. And we want to, we want this validation sometimes from other people. And then when we don't necessarily get it, we're like, well, did God tell us that? Or was I, but well, we have to know how we hear from God individually. And he's going to tell us what we need to do. And like you said, he does not give it to a committee. I love that. So when you um, were getting ready to, to transition from each move, was it something that you and your wife agreed on mutually? Would he speak to God about it? And, uh, would she speak to God about it? And, you know, how would that happen? Yes. When a man found out a wife, he found a good Come thing. Come on now. Um, my wife is so good. Uh, she is, uh, you know, prayer partner, partner in all of the nonprofit and everything we do. And we talk through everything and, you know, the dramatic detail. You know how you do sometimes a presentation or a PowerPoint slide. You say, I'm not going to do a dramatic reading of the slides. We do dramatic readings <laughs> because we want to talk through it and how it's going to work. And I think it's I think it's so important because. Uh, when you're doing things like that, you're, you're figuring out the sacrifices you're going to make. You know, um, you know, I didn't finish my bachelor's degree till I was about 34, which meant going back to school at night. Well, I'm, I'm managing a global organization of 400 people and I'm going back to school at night to do my bachelor's degree. I can't do that by myself. Right. Right. I, I went back to do my master's degree in my 40s at Kellogg. Can't do that by myself. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm running these organizations during the day and, I'm, and then I'm running 
our nonprofit and holy culture at night. Can't do that by myself. Mm -hmm. um, so these have to be talked out plan wise um, in terms of the work, in terms of the financial things that we're doing, in terms of things we won't do in order to make these things happen, et cetera. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of discussions and prayers together. So the vision that you all have is a is a um, vision that you both carry together. And so you're you're helping each other say, don't do this. Let's do this. Let's not do that so that we can meet this bigger goal. And what I love about the vision that you both carry is that it is kingdom. It is like we understand that at the end of the day, we are working for eternity. Everything else that we're doing, it is falling in line with the eternal goal that we have. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about how you transitioned out and how, how you ended up where, where you're at now. You're with XM, you have Holy Culture, you have all these other things you're doing. What was the pivotal key moment where you're like, it is time? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, how some people tell that story like, oh, on this day, like I saw the light. Yes. And <laughs> I don't have moments like that. I don't have, I don't have that, right? It's it's <laughs> it's gradual. And maybe that's some of my, again, me being fiscally conservative, maybe because uh, I'm a planner, I'm strategic, I'm an introvert. I, I don't I, I don't know what to attribute it to, but um, I need to marinate on things for a minute, right? And I need to, sometimes I feel like I'm like Jacob, you know, wrestling with God and God got to break my hips sometimes in the night and wake me up, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I think uh, gradually though, making the moves. And even when I was about to leave Legal Shield in 2018, there was a moment like where I wanted to look back and go, ah, maybe I should hold on this for a while because there's a new private equity owner. They want to give me a bigger job. And my wife was like, okay, hold up. This is what we've been praying about, right? Like this is that moment, right? And I said, okay, but they said I could leave and I could still like do this consultant thing. And I can, when I do my podcast, they'll be my first sponsor. And she's like, but then doesn't that mean you would still have responsibility and accountability to them? Are you then really freely running the nonprofit? Like, I just want to talk this through and pray this through. And I gotta tell you, Rachel, when I finally let it all go, man, it was like the oh, doves. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, everything, you know? So I will say that was a moment of like, job well done you know moment yeah. not not the not the ultimate job well done but but kind of that man feeling that sense of yeah and then I th I, there was a moment I had though when God laid a vision on my heart and, and with more clarity of I was reading a book took our prayer circles or circle of prayer oh, yeah, um Mark Batterson so Mark, yeah I know yes. what you're talking about <laughs> okay so you know he talks about the Indian chief yep. and the whole thing I'm reading the book and he's I'm reading that part where he's talking about walking around the building in DC that they wanted yeah. And that whole thing. Right. And he's talking about the power of prayer, you know, putting walking circles around your, your biggest prayers. And I'm praying one morning, my prayer space. And the Lord said, um, you're going to touch 50 million people. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> you gonna touch 50 million people. I, um, I got up. I believe in writing things down. I didn't want to write it down. Went to my office. I sat there. Like, I ain't writing this down. I finally wrote it down. And I remember back to when I was a kid, um, I was at an event with my father. My father was a preacher. This woman called me out to the audience when I was 12 years old. And she said, you come here. Now I'm, we're eight rows back. Rachel, I'm crying, like sobbing. Why is this lady calling me? I got glasses. <laughs> Why is she calling me? <laughs> Reverend Francis Cannon, we'll never forget her. She calls me up to the front of the church, stands me next to my father. And she said, 
you will reach millions. Okay. So when the Lord said this to me now, I don't tell my wife this for another week. I said to my wife one night, Lord said, I'm going to touch 50 million people. <clears throat> He's like, well, you know, it could mean, you know, you touch person, they touch person. I said, no, nah, <laughs> I appreciate you trying to like right. take the pressure off me. I said, but actually I don't feel pressure. I feel like it's going to flow like a golf swing. We just do what we're supposed to do. Right. We just do our swing in order to put the ball in the right place. We just got to do our swing. And lo and behold, you know, this was right after I left in 2018 and we just started doing the work, released the mobile app started getting back into CHH in a different way. Cause I have been, you know, while I was working, I was doing it after work and things like that, but you're not in it the same way as when right. now you're in it. And then um, we had tried with Sirius XM 10 years prior, but then, you know, last year, 2021, something said, reach out again, see if that window of opportunity is open again. And uh, it was open. Happens to it just, you know, so I wrote up a, a business plan, 70 page business plan. And this time they were like, huh, let's talk about it. Now, now it just so happens that they have 64 million listeners. Just, oh, wow. It just so happens. Wow. Very right? close to that number, huh? Huh? <laughs> so that's getting very close to the. the yeah, yeah. It just happens, and it just so happens doing my research and putting everything together that the Gospel Music Association said, you know, there's 53 million people that listen to gospel music every month. Right. So it was just so interesting to me the numbers that were floating around as I did the business proposal and started having these conversations, right? And then after we go live and whatnot, that as we do our first body of research that 5 million people are listening to, 5 million subscribers are listening to our channel. Um, so it's been, it's just, it's, I said a lot in five minutes there, but yeah. Wow, that is, crazy. and I love how you went back to that point. And it's funny because as I'm listening, your um, wife is my husband for me, like, I'm like, God's giving me these big dreams. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, okay, hold on. Because I know you said that this is what God said. So are you doing this because you're more comfortable? Or are you doing and Yes. I'm like, well, not really. It's just, he's like, no, Rachel, you're doing that. <laughs> you know? So he is that, that reminder. And, and I'm the same way. There's certain things I'm like, I don't even want to tell him this yet. Cause he, he's going to actually like be ready to, to look for how right. this is going to happen. And I'm not ready yet. That's right. <laughs> But I love how he knows exactly the spouse that we need because we may, I, I call myself more of a calculated risk taker. Like I will yes. take some risks, but I'm thinking through the process for the most part. And that's what this podcast is all about, honestly, because I'm like, let me help other calculated risk takers understand right. how to do this thing and yes. still be obedient. But I mean, I love how you went back to key moments where you, where God spoke to you and how he brought it back up later. And then you receive confirmation and all of those things play such a huge role as we walk through what God calls us to do. But yeah. I also want to say, you said something and I don't want to ride past it. You had to write a 70 page proposal. And a lot of times people think, okay, God gives me this vision. I'm going to do this stuff, but there's stuff that, cause I'm sure writing proposals is not something you enjoy. That's not like what you got right. into this to do. Right. Right. But you did it because it was part of how you could be obedient to what God called you. You had to do the tangible work for him to connect the plan of heaven to the plan on earth through you. Absolutely. And I, I love that. I love how you are um, allowing God to use you in that way. Thank you so much for listening. I want to pause for a quick moment to tell you about two extremely valuable resources I've developed specifically with you in mind. 
If you are feeling called to take a leap of faith, be it to move to a new geographical relocation, to start a business, to stay on your job, but to write your book or to start a ministry or to transition, but you are unsure, even afraid to move forward, then you'll want to grab these resources. The first one is a five leaps quick guide. And within it, you will find help as you identify which leap God is calling you to make and tools for you as you prepare, plan and execute that leap. The next one is the five leaps, five week mentoring. If you are serious about this leap, but you know you cannot do it alone, you are not alone. I want to walk with you. So for five weeks, we'll work together as you prepare for the plan that God is calling you to execute. You can find both of these resources by visiting thefiveleaps.com. Thank you so much. Now let's get back started with this episode. So tell us all about Holy Culture. I want to hear more about your book. I want to hear about those things and how the book came about, which may be connected to it or separate from the from everything else you're doing. No, I think they're all connected. I mean, my book was about um, my journey and really the point of trying to help other people who may have the same thing. Right. This lack of validation, but more importantly, this desire to or maybe this absence of understanding their passion and purpose. Right. And, And how can you get on that road. So it's called, again, success in your own terms, six promises to five your passion, not your career, creating amazing life. And the reason I call them promises is because um, don't make resolutions, right? Um, make promises to yourself and agree to keep them. And the promises start with, you know, um, defining that passion and purpose, starting with your gifts and your talents, the things that God gives you and walking through these steps. And that very last step, step number six is then doing it with someone else and helping them go through the process. Right. And so it's a very um, simple read of story and practical tips and steps and things to do. Uh, And that's connected with the part of the coiling solution. Cause then what I did was I wound up after, you know, you you do a book and you, next thing you know, you're out speaking and whatnot. And I watched people take all these copious notes. So I got with an instructional designer that I knew and said, you know, we should do a workbook. And so we created a workbook. And next thing I know, I said, we should just create a course. <laughs> so we created a course. And so we have the course deployed online for people and we take it out to organizations, churches, and et cetera. And what's so cool about it now is Holy Coach's whole thing is to promote Christ. I can just stop right there. Really, I could just stop right there. Promote Christ through media, right? But I'll add on, promote Christ, Christian lifestyles, and, and support Christian creatives, right? In the hip hop space. So think about, imagine if you will, there's well over 400 Christian MCs who I lovingly call urban missionaries. And I call them that because the best metaphor I could give you is like taking a bunch of us and going to Europe in an area that only speaks French and just yelling in English louder to make them understand us. It, it won't translate. Right, right. You can yell as loud you can yell as loud as you want to. They'll still be looking at you going, we probably who? Like what what someone has to speak French. Yeah to help us get our mission done. And so urban missionaries, Christian hip hoppers can go into today's culture. And it's not the eighties where people are saying, oh, well, this hip hop thing last, listen, hip hop is now defines the culture. So having people who are not just connoisseurs, but are connected in such a way where they're operators and can walk into the culture and speak with cadence and, and tone and, and language and communicate the message of the gospel in the way people can hear it. We have to take advantage of that to get this work done, to fulfill the great commission, go ye therefore, right? And so my whole thing is how do we do it more efficiently, more effectively? So the two do come together, being able to say, we can go into churches 
and Christian hip hop people can say to all the people in whatever radius we define, yo, come out to this event. I got some things to tell y'all. And then while they're there, we say, by the way, you're seeing me operate my passion and purpose. We want to help you understand yours. And we bring the curriculum in. And then we bring other partners in like Chase who are willing to do the financial education piece. Other people who may come in and do the STEM piece, et cetera. What we're starting to do is create this movement that I call FAVE, Faith, Arts, Vocation, and Education. That's what we're really focused on. I love that. And I love just the, the, everything you do has the greater vision towards drawing souls to Christ, because that's what it's about. And we sometimes think in our, in our little box of our church or our community, and it's not that that is not a space. Don't get me wrong. That is a space, but we tend to stay stuck there and feel like that's the only space whether, rather than there are other places that we can go. And right. there are other people that will never walk into those buildings that need to hear the true love of God and be reminded of why they truly exist. What is the Definitely. reason that they're here? So I love, love, love that. That is so powerful. So um, for someone who is in corporate right now mm. and they have this like, ah, this, they're, they're torn and they know that God is calling them out, but maybe it's not quite time but they know God is calling them to do the next thing. What are maybe some strategic things that you would tell them to do either financially, practically to prepare themselves for that? Yeah. Well, one, um, like I said, a lot of prayer and patience. And, you know, you know, one of the things I found in my prayer life, and I'm not going to, you know, make allegations about others is shotgun prayers, right? We like pray and walk away like, oh, and run. (laughs) Well, no, like pray and then sit and listen for God's voice, sit and listen, look for places. You know, one of the things, Rachel, I forgot to tell you. So I told you about Reverend Francis Cannon at 12. And I told you about being on my prayer rug. Literally one day I was on the highway coming from Philly to Delaware and the car is behind me flashing lights and honking the horn. I'm looking at my rear view mirror. Like this person's crazy. After five, seven minutes, I finally pull over and they pull over behind me. And the guy comes to my window and he is like shaking scared because He's he's a white guy. He's kind of skinny. His wife's in the car looking like this. She's like, God told me to pull you over. He's like, God told me there's incredible work for you to do. I'm supposed to talk to you about it. He's like, I've never done anything like this before in my life. I'm supposed to invite you to, you know, to dinner, talk to you. God's got incredible work for you to do. I'm looking at him. I'm from Philly. (laughs) You know, we really click away from New York. We, we, don't, we, we don't do things like that. I take his number. I get home and talk to my wife. And it's like, mm. so we call, we talk a few times. We find like, all right, we're going to go have dinner over in Jersey. But we, you know, we, but we, we go, but you know, one eye open, one eye closed, you know, we drop, we, you know, it was one of the best dinners. And he just, he's like, look, I was scared to, to do it, but God told me, pull this guy up and tell him he needs an intervention that's going to shake him up a little bit to let him know I got work for him. He needs to be obedient. Wow. Yeah. And that, I think Rachel, one of the things I took away from that is, and this is why the reason is I think you provoked me to think about it is one of the messages for the corporate executive is the thing I took away from that is we have to be available. And so one of my biggest prayers has always become, Lord, I just want to be available. Like I don't want to be caught up in Holy culture even though I'm saying the fave movement right now is the thing. It's just like I said earlier, it's stewardship for a season. 
I, when I talk to our lawyers and our accountants and whatnot, I'm always talking about succession. Like I'm trying to make Holy Culture as great as it can be and do everything. So the next CEO who takes it over is well positioned because I don't know what Lord's going to ask me to do next. I'm, I need to make sure I'm available for whatever the next assignment is. And so to that corporate executive, I say, constantly be saying to the Lord in your prayers, I'm available. I'm trying to be available. Mm, that's so good. And you said something that's so key, succession. Like we forget about that. We we think this is where we're going to be, but always having that mindset. Oh, this was such a good conversation. And I'm so glad you shared that last bit because that's those key moments in our life where we see that God was speaking to us about what was to come. It was like, he was constantly like, hey, I see you're moving, but don't forget about this. This is right. what you're supposed to be moving towards. He doesn't forget. Sometimes we're like, moving, you know, living our life. And he's like, okay, right. just so you know, I still got this for you down the line. I'm still working towards that. And exactly. I love how just your journey shows how he continued to remind over and over and over. This has been such an amazing conversation, James. I know this is going to bless so many people. So I want to make Thank sure you. that they know two things, what your next leap is and where they can find you. So what is the next thing you feel like God is calling you to do? I think right now, honestly, this, this, it's this fave movement piece. You know, we don't, Today, to my knowledge, we don't have anything that's constructed in a way where we're going out to help empower local churches, like I talked about, where we go and say, hey, we're going to use Christian hip hop artists to bring people into the church, but we're going to leave you with the curriculum and things. But we're not just like coming and doing an event and running right. and everybody scatters again. We're trying to we're trying to set you up for deep relationships with people, mentoring, so on and so forth. So that I think that's going to consume me for the for a little while. I don't, I don't know about after that. Um, and then, uh, I'm sorry, what was the, the next question? The, the next one was, but that actually led me to one more question I want to ask you. Do you feel like Perfect. it's leaned more toward youth or is it young adults? Where, where do you feel like? You think young adults. Our, our focus is like 13 to 34. Okay. And, you know, one of the things literally last night as I was praying and thinking about this is, you know, a lot of times we talk to foundations and people, they, they want, you know, they want a specific goal, like, you know, and if you, if you press me on a specific goal, when I think about it, it would be increasing probably about 15% the reading, math, and competency scores of black and brown youth mm. at, you know, at, at the eighth grade level. That's an inflection point. And that score has dropped, uh, been flat or dropped continuously for the last five years. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, I love that. So good. Okay. So now where can they find you? That's the last one. Oh, sure. They can find me at holyculture.net uh, or the CoreLinkSolution.com, either one and hit the about or contact button and you will, uh, you will get to me or you can feel free to email me at James Rousseau, R-O-S-S-E-A-U at HolyCulture.net. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really Thank enjoyed you. our conversation. Same here. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you were inspired by what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next leap. Before you go, I want to invite you to visit the5leaps.com to learn more about upcoming guests, helpful resources, and our text community support, all intended to help you prepare to take your next leap. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, God can do more with our willingness than he could ever do with our worthiness. <laughs>